morning. Matt did a good job this morning. I was thinking about, uh, of course, I've known Matt for since he was a little guy, and I was thinking about we were sitting, we were sitting back here in a, uh, I think we were having a fellowship meal, and that was before the, uh, the, the fellowship room over here was added on. So that's, it's been a long time ago, and there was a movie, I think that movie was called Independence Day, um, but it was about a UFO coming to Earth, and so he had the, he had the little ship and, and all the things that went with it, and we were sitting there against the wall back here, and he's telling me all about the movie. I mean, he's just going into great detail, and he's showing me the ship and how the doors opened and all the little things that... And before long, I kind of lost interest. <laughs> I was staring out, and all of a sudden, I realized he'd stopped talking. And he looked right up at me, and he said, you're just not really interested in this, are you? <laughs> Boy, kids can just, they can just cut you right off at the knees. <laughs> I said, no, really, I am. I just, <laughs> oh, well. Those are good memories. Those are. Well, we uh, <clears throat> we got together in one of our recent uh, elders' meetings, and we uh, came up with a, a list of topics that uh, we <clears throat> we just labeled back to basics, and uh, we handed those off to Steve and and asked him to uh, de- design some lessons around those, and so. When he came to me and said he was going to be out of town uh, and asked me to, to fill in for him today, he, he said, just, uh, you know, if you want to pick one of those off that list. And uh, so I did. Um, we, uh, we, were, we were talking, I guess what probably got the whole conversation started is we were talking about the, the topic of modesty. And so I, th- I thought that I would, uh, I thought that I would address that um, today. And uh, if you if you have your Bible, I'm going to begin in Genesis chapter three, um, and I'm just going to begin at verse one, and I'm, I'm going to read quickly because I have several several uh, references. It says the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman. Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? 
And he said, I heard the sound of thee in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? So the first thing that Adam and Eve realized when they eat from that tree that they were not supposed to eat from, the first thing that's recorded here is, is they realized they were naked. And the first thing it says that they went out and did was got fig leaves and somehow they sewed those together and they made some kind of a, some kind of a loin covering. And when they hear God, the sound of God walking in the garden, it said they hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees. And God calls out and he says, where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And of course, that's when the question, you know, comes from God is who told you you were naked? And he knew that was a direct result of them eating from that tree. And he said, have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? We could use that tree today, couldn't we? I mean, there's people that need to eat from that tree today because there's a lot of people that walk around naked. There's a lot of people in the church that go to places and get naked. And it's not okay. There's a lot of ramifications from that lack of modesty in a person's life. It wasn't okay with God. As a matter of fact, the loin coverings of fig leaves weren't okay with God. If you look at verse 21, after God gets done pronouncing several curses, one on the serpent and one on the woman and one on the man, and then it says that the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. And it wasn't even enough for Adam and Eve because when they had the loin covering, I mean, the, I guess that was the best they could do. They still were afraid and hid from God. They were ashamed. And then God makes them coverings of skin or clothing of skin. In Genesis chapter 9, and... Uh, Verse 20, Adam and uh, Noah and his family, they've gotten gotten off of the ark. The, The flood has receded, and it says that Noah began farming, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine, and he became drunk. And he uncovered himself inside his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and he told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were turned away so that they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. So he said, Cursed be Canaan. Now, how Noah knew what his youngest son had done, I I don't know, but the scripture says that he knew. 
And he pronounced a curse on Canaan. But you look at what the other two brothers did. They, they pick up some kind of a garment, and it says they laid it up on their shoulders between them, and they walked backwards into their father's tent, and they covered him up so that they could not look upon his nakedness. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, big, it's a big deal. Let's look to uh, Exodus chapter 20 and, uh, and verse 26. Big, big deal with God. Um, it's a big deal with the, with the people of God. And <clears throat> God's just given the Ten Commandments here, and, and then, then we're, we're going into uh, uh, various, various different commandments. And so verse 26 says, You shall not go up by steps to my altar that your nakedness may not be exposed on it. He said, don't, don't climb steps up to my altar because I don't, I don't want to look up under your garments and see your nakedness, and I don't want anybody else looking up under your garments and seeing your nakedness. Just don't do it. Don't, don't make steps up to the altar where you have to lift your leg to get up that step because I don't want to see it. And I don't want anybody else seeing it. And then in Exodus 28 and uh, verses 40 and 43, um, God, God goes ahead and he, uh, and he refines this a little bit. And he's, he's talking about the, the priestly garments. And uh, so he says in uh, verse 40, And for Aaron's sons you shall make tunics, you shall also make sashes for them, and you shall make caps for them for glory and for beauty. And you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him, and you shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. You shall make for them linen breeches to cover their bare flesh. They shall reach from the loins even to the thighs, they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they entered the tent of meeting or when they approached the altar to minister in the holy place so that they do not incur guilt and die. It shall be a statute forever to him and to his descendants after him. So God said if you go into the, into the, the, the holy place and expose yourself as my priest, you will incur guilt and you'll die. Just, just very, very displeasing to God. And Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 5. <clears throat> a woman shall not wear a man's clothing. And a man shall not put on a woman's clothing. Whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. God's not just concerned that we cover ourselves, but he's concerned that when we do cover ourselves, that we look like what we are. If we're a man, we're supposed to look like a man and not want to look 
like a woman in the way that we dress. And if we're a woman, we're supposed to look like a woman and not want to look like a man in the way that we dress. I mean, God, God is very concerned. The God of the Old Testament is the God that we serve today. He is the God of the New Testament. He said, don't expose yourself. I don't want to see it. You've got to think about that. I mean, God created us just exactly the way that we are with all of our body parts. He already knows what we look like because he made us. And he said, I don't want to see it. Cover yourself up. Couldn't be any plainer. I don't want to see it. I don't want anybody else to see it. You know, we, we, we look at each other's faces and, and, and you know, that, that's pleasant enough. And, and then we get into all this, this other area. And, and, I, and I know that, that, that modesty has, probably has a, a relativity to it. But we need to be really careful about the culture, the time or the place that we're in, that we don't go outside of what God says. It, it doesn't matter what's going on in our culture or the place where we're at or the time that we live in. Because God has some standards. He has some things that he said. He has some things that he's really concerned about. And, and we can see all of those that... I mean, we can see all of that, that it's evident. You think about Adam and Eve for a minute, and the first thing they realized is that they were naked, and they were ashamed. I mean, they were ashamed in front of each other and went and made some kind of a, a covering. And th this is something that's always interested me, and I've, and I've said this, I mean, probably many times. You, you may have even heard me say it, but... Um, it just interests me, um, Josh and Christian, they've got a, a new little baby girl. And right now, any one of us could take that infant and take her little onesie off or whatever she's got on and change her diaper and wash her bottom, and she's not going to say anything. wouldn't matter who it was, me, Don, Wayne, Al, James, it is, she don't care. You know what happens? As, as a child's life progresses, and, and, it, and, and I, it seems like it usually starts, to me at least, around age five, four or five, all of a sudden, this modesty thing starts to happen. And it's only mom. Like it... It gets down to where, like, like it, it, it could be this whole congregation, but then it starts closing down, and it gets down and about to that age where it's only mom. And it's not too long that even mom's not allowed in the bathroom when I'm taking a bath. i got to be really sick for mom to see me without my clothes on. And, like, that's not something that you teach a child in the formative years. Like, 
I don't ever remember telling any one of our three, you know, when you get to this age, you shouldn't come in here in front of daddy without your, they just did it. They just did it. It's, it's something that happens naturally. I mean, I know there might be those cases where people are telling their kid, I don't know, maybe, maybe you do, but that just happens naturally, that we just stop that stuff. But then something else happens as we get from that age five to, to our teenage years that all of a sudden we start seeing and we start hearing all of this propaganda and we find out that, you know what, I can attract the opposite sex by the way I display my body. And so it begins. And it gets to the place where people are willing to show way, way, way more than God ever intended to happen. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 9 and 10, and I want to give this... uh, I want to give this equal weight. I want to give this equal weight as we move into uh, into the New Testament here. But I've got to tell you, most of what we read there in the Old Testament was concerning men. Really, the only reference I looked at that had anything to do with a woman was in Genesis. Almost everything else that we looked at in the Old Testament was concerning men. And when we, when we get into the, the New Testament, this is really, if you go, if you go look up modesty or, or whatever has anything to do with it, this is about the reference uh, that you're going to go to. And there's, there's another in, in uh, I believe it's 1 Peter, that is just almost similar compared almost word for word, what Paul says to Timothy here. And there's not, there's not a lot said about men, but we've already read about men. We already know what God says. Cover yourself up because I don't want to see. I don't want to see, and I don't want anybody else. So he says, likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, Modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works as befits women making a claim to godliness. So he says that women should adorn themselves with proper clothing. And, and of course, that's where the, you know, who's going to define that? Modestly. That's how it is defined, modestly and discreetly. And so I looked up the word modestly, and it says having or showing a moderate or humble estimate of one's merits. you got to think about that. I mean, if I put that in layman's terms, what that says to me is I don't have to show off what I got. I don't have to show off what I got. 
I'm not supposed to be showing off what I got. Modestly, having or showing a moderate or humble estimate of one's merits, one's importance, etc. Free from vanity, egotism, boastfulness, or great pretensions. I worked with this pharmacist years ago. I, I really liked this guy, but man, man, oh man, oh man, was he stuck on himself. And he really was. He'd been married several times, and he'd been with several different women. And We were at a management meeting, and we were in the restroom, you know, on a break. And he, and he walks by the mirror, and then he goes back to the mirror, and he looks in it, and he says, Don't ever die, you beautiful thing. <laughs> he was serious. Like he's looking at him, he does a double take, and he's looking at himself in the mirror. He's like, Don't ever die, you beautiful thing. This guy was bald. I mean, he was bald as a plate. <laughs> but he thought that he was all that in a bag of chips. He really did. Free from vanity, free from egotism, boastfulness, or great pretensions. So when you take that and you apply it to how we're supposed to dress modestly, and discreetly, not in a way that brings attention to it, because he goes ahead and says, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, and we don't have time to read the book of Proverbs, but I would, I would really encourage you to do that, because it talks about the adulterous woman. Over and over and over, young men are warned in the book of Proverbs about the adulterous woman. And what she does to entice you into her home. And Solomon says that that way is the way of death. That way is the way of death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and um, verse 23 and, and uh, verse 24. And Paul's... Paul's talking here about, about the church and comparing it um, to the physical body, and, and he talks about how we have all these parts in our body and we have all these parts, our members in the church. And he's talking about, uh, verse 23, those that we deem less honorable. He says, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our unseemly members come to have more abundant seemliness. Like, like Adam and Eve, we realize that showing our face is normal and not a problem, but there's other parts of our body that there's clothing that is made to go on those parts of our body so that it is not exposed to the general public. And he says, whereas our seemly members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. And I really wanted to read that out of the New Century Version, but I couldn't find my, I couldn't find my, uh, my book. I got so many books at home, and I, I just misplaced it and laid it down. Um, so there's members of the body that we bestow more honor on because we feel like they're less honorable. 
But then we get to these places, we get to these these times in our life, these things where we think, well, you know, I, I probably ought to I probably ought to show off a little bit here. The problem, the problem is this. We're affecting other people. And this is the part you really have to think about. Women affect men. And I know all about that. Men affect women. I don't really know about that. But I think the effect that women have on men is way worse than the effect that men have on women. There's just something there. And we're getting to the place that we're encouraging. You know, we've got, we've got some classes that go on back here, and, and guys will talk about what a struggle this is. And then I've heard guys talk about coming into here and like, I can't even come to church and pass communion because I can't keep my mind where it should be based on the ways that some people are dressed. Well, that's a sad statement. I've heard that for years, not just yesterday. I've heard it for years. And we need, we need to think about it. Because we're offending and we're causing our brother or our sister to sin. And see, the problem in our society today is that you don't have to shoulder any responsibility. But that's not true with God. I am responsible. I'm responsible for the way I dress. I'm responsible for the way I act. I'm responsible for the way I talk. Paul said, I'll not eat meat or do anything else that would cause my brother to what? Stumble. He said, I just won't do it. I'm not going to do it. Even though it's all right in the sight of God, even though it's all right in the sight of God, if I know, if I know that Gary is weak and he thinks that it is a sin and I go ahead and I do it in front of him anyway, and I cause him to stumble, guess what? Sin. I'm guilty. I'm guilty before God. And that's what you've got to start thinking about. When you do what you do, why are you doing it? You know, the Amish, they have a really good remedy for this. I think it's a great remedy myself. They all dress in plain clothes that covers their body. When they come in to worship, the men sit over here and the women sit over there. And you can keep your mind on what you're there for, which is to worship God. I think it's a great remedy. It's the only remedy for some people, and they can't help it. I wanted to read you a, a, uh, I wanted to read you a little uh, article here. And this is uh, from um, David Lipscomb. I, I don't know how many of you have 
have heard or, or read any anything from David Lipscomb, of course, there's you know the the university, but this was copyrighted in 1910 by a man named J. W. Shepard. Um, could go back into the late 1800s. These were questions, and uh, these were questions that were sent in to David Lipscomb to the Gospel Advocate, and he would answer these questions in the Gospel Advocate. And this one is titled Decent, What is Healthful, what is healthful and Decent? And I'm, I'm going to try and skip the healthful part um, because it's not really what we're talking about. But <clears throat> here's the question. In our school, one of the teachers conducts a physical culture class. So that can tell you, that'll let you know how old this is. Like they don't call it phys ed. They call it a physical culture class for young men. In this class, nothing about women, okay? This is men. In this class, the limbs and shoulders are exposed so as to give more freedom to the muscles. That's their reason. After the exercises, all take a shower bath. When this work is done orderly and for the benefit of our health, is it either indecent, immoral, impure, unchaste, low, or wicked? Some think we are guilty of all these crimes when we engage in it. If it is either of these, we wish to drop the work at once. Please tell us if you think we are doing wrong. What makes a thing indecent, immoral, impure, or unchaste? Well, there was a lot of questions there, but here's his answer. It is not true that clothing hinders the use of the muscles. And I, I just want you to stop and think about that for a minute. That is not true, that clothing hinders the use of the muscles. You ever see a picture of a cowboy? He is covered up. Long pants, long shirt, and a hat, and a bandana. He's covered up. Because if he's not, and usually gloves, because if he's not, He'll be incinerated by the end of the day from the sun. Plus, he's in all the brush and the briars. Did you ever see a guy working in a steel mill in the open hearth division? They were covered up. Not only did they have on their clothing, but they wore special burn clothing to keep from being burned up. And I could give you example after example after example just like that. Clothing does not hinder the use of the muscles. Of course, clothing might be made or so made as to hinder the use of the muscles, but ordinary loose clothing does not. This is a deception that professionals practice on themselves and the public. This is a deception that professionals practice on themselves and the public. With this out of the way, the latter of the two questions should be first answered. To determine what is evil, as announced, we must have a standard. Things are good or evil according to the standard used. Brutes do not have a sense of right or wrong, nor a sense of shame, and the exposure of all parts of the body is regarded as proper. He used the word brute, brutes. 
They do not have a sense of right or wrong. When man was first created, he was naked and without shame. He was then very much of an animal and had no sense of right and wrong. When he sinned and his sense of right and wrong developed, his sense of shame came with it, and Adam and Eve made aprons of fig leaves to hide their nakedness. God sympathized with their sense of shame when they came to know good from evil, made for Adam and his wife coats of skin and clothed them. God thought people who knew good from evil ought to clothe themselves so as to hide their nakedness. Again, one possessed with demons wore no clothes. The demons were cast out, and he was clothed and in his right mind. Luke 8, 27 through 35. This seems to settle it that people in their right mind will clothe themselves. I thought that was funny. And I think he meant it that way. This seems to settle it that people in their right mind will clothe themselves. That makes sense to me. That's why I like to read him because just, he just makes sense. He just says it to me. To this judgment, the, to this the judgment of the world conforms. Uncivilized and savage nations, as a rule, go partially or go partially clothed as they rise in the scale of education, civilization, and refinement. They wear more clothes. If it be claimed this bareness of clothing is only for a short period, the answer is to return to a state of savage and brutal indifference for only a short time leaves its evil influence upon the character of those doing it and upon, upon all accustomed to it. And then he gets into, uh, he gets in, he, he has a little thing he says about exercise and stuff like that, and I'm not, I'm not going to read that, but he asks, what is indecent? Anything is indecent that suggests and creates improper thoughts and desires. I want to read that to you again because I want you to get it. What is indecent is the question. Anything is indecent that suggests and creates improper thoughts and desires. That's indecent. According to him, seeing a woman half naked suggests improper thoughts and creates lustful desires in man. Hence, it is indecent for a woman to appear half naked before men. The same is true of half naked men before women. It is indecent for either sex to appear half naked before the other. It is also true. For those of either sex to appear half-naked before others of their own sex destroys their sense of shame and modesty and educates them to have no shame or to be indecent before the other sex. My judgment is that the half-naked and violent practices are not good to give strength and vigor to the body, but its tendency is to destroy modesty and refinement of feeling and to produce coarse and unrefined feelings and manners. These violent exercises bring no good but evil to body and spirit. Think about our scripture reading. When Herodias danced, what happened? I mean, these guys are drunk, and then all their passion is incited by this young woman dancing. And Herod 
I mean, I don't know if he's slobbering all over himself at this point or what he's doing. But listen to what he says and how foolish that was. Oh, whatever you want. I'll give it to you. I'll give you up to half my kingdom. Why would he say that to a young girl? Well, everybody, every red-blooded American man sitting in here knows why he said it. Up to half my kingdom. What do you want? Well, she didn't know what she wanted. She goes and asks her mother, and you know what her mother said? I want John the Baptist's head. Now. I want it right now. I don't want it three days from now. I want it now. And she went back and told him, she said, I want John the Baptist's head right away. I want it right now. So they send for the executioner. And he comes back. Try to envision that if you can. With a man's head on a platter and the blood everywhere. And none of it would have happened if that girl would have covered herself up and kept her place. It wouldn't have happened. Whoever offends one of these little ones and causes them to stumble, what did Jesus say? He said, it'd be better if you had a real heavy millstone tied around your neck and you were thrown into the depths of the sea. We have a responsibility to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And you know, really, if, if I want to live like the world, I just need to go to the world. And I need to stay there and leave you alone. Wouldn't you agree with that? That's what I need to do. If I want to live like the world, I want to talk like the world and act like the world and dress like the world, I just need to go to the world and leave you alone. Why do I need to come and torment you? I don't. And Jesus says it would be better for me if somebody just tied a big millstone around my neck so when, I, when you threw me in, I wouldn't float, I'd sink. We just need to think about the way that we present ourselves and what we do, how we dress. We need to be consistent there needs to be some modesty. And you know, this isn't a new, this isn't, I want you to realize this is not a new message. <laughs> At the latest was 1910. It's not a new message. It's had to be, be taught to every generation. And you know why? Why does it have to be taught to every generation? Because Satan said to Adam and Eve, has God said... Yeah, he said. Well, let me tell you about what God said. And that's what Satan does today. We know what God says. But we get Satan telling us about what God said. 
And before long, we don't believe anything God said. We believe what Satan said. Because he only changed one little word for Adam and Eve. God said, thou shalt surely die. And Satan said, thou shalt not. Just three little letters. I wouldn't take my wife on vacation and let her drag a bikini out and put it on and us go down to the beach. I just wouldn't do it. For no amount of money would I do it. That's my wife. And nobody's going to see her like that but me. Because no other man is going to have thoughts about my wife in a bikini dancing around in their head. It's not going to happen. I'm telling you, Satan has sold us a bill of goods, and there's people that have bought it hook, line, and sinker without even thinking about the package they were getting. Just like Adam and Eve did. Didn't even stop to think that God said, if you do it, if you do it, you'll die. And you think about it. What's the point of dressing like that? What's the point of looking like that? Of going around in, other pe- in front of other people? What is the point of it? We all know what the point of it is. I want you to look at me and see what I've got. Maybe you'll like it. That is not a child of God. That's not a child of God. I don't care how you cut it. We take, we take our young people over to Fort Hill. Oh, sure, surely I hope to goodness we still do this before I say it. <laughs> do, we still, do we still separate the sexes out at camp? Okay, Pam shook her head yes. We do that for a reason. Shoot, when I went out there, the first thing they did, and I went there a lot, the first thing they did was took us out, and and I don't know if that tree's there anymore or not, down through those cabins, and they said, you just draw yourself an imaginary line down through there because we ain't painting it. You cross over, you're out of here. It was that simple. We went to the swimming hole. We didn't have no pool. We went to the swimming hole at different times of the day. But when the girls went to the swimming hole, the boys were somewhere else completely. Like you couldn't even peek. And they were covered with a towel. You know, we need to teach those things again. We need to teach those things to our children. I remember a boy in school, and he said to me, we were in high school, and he said to me, I wish I knew a girl that I could just take out and have fun with. And then I wish I knew one that I could be serious about and marry. I'm telling you, girls, if you think for a minute 
If you think for a second that that guy respects you in your immodesty, that you're trying to gain popularity, he does not. He does not. And it's the same way for men. There is no respect there. It just doesn't exist. Hey, I didn't say much about becoming a Christian today. I talked about being a Christian. But if you'd like to become a child of God, you know, Al talked about the blood up here, and, and we all think about that. We have no hope but the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only hope we have. And if you'd like to become a child of God, if you'd like to have all your sins washed away, you don't have to be good because we're not, none of us here. We're not good, we're not perfect, except by the blood of Jesus. If you'd like to come, we, we would love to assist you. We would take your confession. We would assist you by baptizing you, immersing you today. You would raise up to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you're here and you need the prayers of the congregation anyway, you can come while we stand.